welcome to another live edition of Promo Insiders, the counselor podcast that covers the issues that matter most to the promotional products industry, from hard-hitting news to fun trends. I'm Teresa Hegel, Executive Editor of Digital Content at ASI, and today we're going to be talking about the future of events. And before we get started, I just want to mention that we have a, a very a sponsor, uh, Maple Ridge Farms, and three people who comment are going to get a coffee cake. So be sure you um, contribute to the discussion, ask questions, share your experiences, um, and hopefully we'll have a nice, lively discussion. Um, and now let me just introduce my guest. Uh, today I'm joined by Barry Myers, founder of Get Geeked Media. Barry has a background in designing uh, consumer-facing conferences and events, and most recently he launched Techfluence, a virtual event that connects tech brands to the media. So thanks for joining us today, Barry. You're very welcome, Teresa. Thanks so much for having me. So can you tell me a little bit more about your background and, and how you got started you know, working on events? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm an experiential guy, as we say in the industry. Um, I was actually a telecommunications lawyer for a few years. And um, as rewarding as that was, I had an opportunity to uh, design a conference for Comdex, the old computer trade show, which uh, at one point was, you know, bigger than CES. And oh, um, I've been to CES yeah. and that's that would be quite. Yeah. A <laughs> yeah, this is the early 2000s and they were kind of seeing the trends of the consumer technology category. I mean, consumer tech was really starting to become sexy and what have you. So they actually brought me on to design a uh, conference program and an expo, part of the expo floor, uh, addressing consumer facing technology. It was the first time they'd ever done something like that. Uh, so we did that and um, Comdex didn't last much longer after that, not to, you know, our, our program was pretty successful, but uh, <laughs> what happened was I met some really cool people there and we got together and we came up with the concept for an event that became Digital Life. And that was the first event I really co-founded. And that was a, a four day event at the Javits Convention Center. And it was really, you know, in a lot of respects, kind of the first consumer facing, the first real tech convention hall, trade show exhibits, uh, that let consumers in. Now we also had special, you know, we gave special priority to the press. As I tell companies all the time, it's not that the press isn't important anymore. It's just that you have these other, you know, communities, uh, influencers and enthusiasts that you really need to be engaging as well. And we were kind of the first ones to bring that to an event uh, and acknowledge that and give companies an opportunity for face-to-face -face engagement with those communities. Um, so we did that for a little while. Uh, when I uh, that was actually produced by Ziff Davis. They purchased the event before we even launched it and we became part of Ziff Davis Media. I uh, ran that for four years and um, 2000, 2008, 2009, of course, the economy kind of imploded and uh, they canceled the show, even though it was, had 60,000 attendees the last year oh, we wow. ran it, 250 exhibitors. But, um, you know, it was a challenging time for everyone. Uh, I left and I joined a really cool startup called Gadget.com, which was kind of like a Rotten Tomatoes or a Metacritic for gadgets, a community site, not a news site. And I created a little roadshow for them where we went around the country and companies exhibited at tabletops. And uh, we invited consumers in each of these key cities uh, to come in and check out the products. And that was super successful. Did that for a few years and AOL acquired Gadget.com in 2013. And I spent about a year at AOL running the Engadget branded events. They own Engadget, the tech blog. Okay. And we, uh, we did a bunch of events under the Engadget brand. And then I left to launch Get Geek Media in 2014. And the mission statement there was really kind of, you know, there had already been this existing tabletop event format for just the press. And here I was, I'd carved out a, a, a niche recognizing the importance of these other audiences, the uh, the influencers and the enthusiasts. So I kind of set out to kind of reinvent that tabletop event format to give companies a, a cost-effective, very easy to execute, no booths, you know, they weren't in convention halls, uh, opportunity to engage all three of those audiences. Uh, we did that for a few years. Um, and then, of course, you know, we all got locked down about six or seven months ago. Right, and right. Something happened. Started. Something happened. I don't remember what. <laughs> that's when we started to look at virtual. Mm -hmm. So tell, tell me about this. You, you just like wrapped up a virtual event recently, correct? We launched our first virtual event under our Techfluence brand, which is actually a brand we launched last year uh, to encompass some of the influencer marketing things we're doing mm -hmm. in the consumer tech space with YouTubers and content creators. Uh, but we use that brand for the new virtual event as well. Yeah. 
So how did what did that entail? What was the what are some of the differences between a virtual event like that and and the in person one? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to understand that our events are you know primarily B to C, B to B to press and consumer. Right. Um, so you know the objectives of companies and of attendees too uh, are very different. This isn't a conference. It's not um, you know your senior vice president schmoozing with my senior vice president. Uh, so it's a very kind of specific type of an event. And, you know, what we what we set out to do that other virtual events weren't doing as the pandemic hit and locked us all down and everybody started to pivot to virtual events, the existing virtual events were kind of very linear. They were very based on programming. They require you to sign in at a specific time and listen to uh, a presentation or what have you. And what we wanted to do was kind of replicate the more free form, spontaneous environment of a, of a media event or, or a trade show for that matter, uh, where the attendees, you know, they come when the event is open, they come when the event starts, they come an hour into it, they come whenever they want, they move from booth to booth, they in visit with the companies they're interested in, they spend as much time with a company or as little time as the company, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they, they're able to get the information they need to do their job, write about tech products. Uh, so it was a very different um, kind of mission we were on versus most of the virtual events. And we talked to a lot of press and, and you know, I know a lot of press and, and my partner in this, who's actually the one kind of building the platform is a journalist. Mm -hmm. um, and he, you know, his experience drove a lot of those design decisions. And, you know, the press were telling us and the companies were telling us too, when it comes to showcasing our products, in an environment that will hopefully generate buzz and awareness and coverage, you know, this linear format wasn't really serving our purposes. So that was kind of the mission statement. Um, you know, above and beyond that, what we also noticed right away or recognized right away was that the virtual environment, the digital environment also provided a lot of potential value that live events didn't. And, and we can oh, get really? into that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, but yeah. you know, the first step was really digging in um, obviously with so many events going virtual, this whole niche industry has popped up. So we looked at a lot of different platforms, uh, looking for one that was, you know, scalable and reliable. Um, we weren't so concerned with the kind of fancy UI, the fancy avatars. We didn't really, as long as the objectives we set out and, and we're trying to help our attendees and our exhibitors accomplish could be accomplished. We weren't looking for, you know, a screen that looked like a little trade show hall with, right, right. To, we, you know, that didn't really compel us. There's a lot of cool stuff out there like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but we wanted infrastructure, we wanted reliability, we wanted scalability. So it really began with, you know, the search for the right platform. Yeah. So I mean, it's not the the bells and whistles. It's the actual be, actually being able to make a connection between, you know, the two the two sides. That's kind of the important part. It's being think. able to make a connection, um, but more so to that kind of mission statement 1B, which is making sure that we were working with a platform that provided a lot of value that you wouldn't otherwise get at a live event. Uh, then it was really looking into kind of the robustness of the platform and the different ways we could leverage the platform Understanding that, yeah, that first mission of, of allowing brands, our exhibitors and our attendees to really have, you know, what we kind of call the high touch person to person mm -hmm. interaction uh, that they get at a live press event, a live media event uh, versus a conference. Um, but then second to that, a close second <laughs> was um, was really making sure to leverage the platform and making sure it was robust enough to provide the tools to, for instance, you know, when an attendee accesses one of our virtual booths, they can download press materials, they can initiate a group chat, they can initiate a video chat, they can fill out a special form that um, allows them to request a product to, for them to review and, and just have that kind of automated and, and collected in the background. And not only leveraging the platform for the interaction itself, but critically important, uh, finding a platform that really collected all this information on the back end. I mean, we right. joke about you know, the typical media event, the exhibitors go back to their office and they're sorting through a stack of business cards. And, you know, what we were looking for and what we found was a platform that allowed them to go back to their office and click open a, a dashboard and not only see who came to their booth and how long they stayed, but what did they do? Did they download a press material? Did they enter the video chat? Uh, and those are just, I mean, you know, crazy cool, valuable things that 
that live events, you know, can't, right. can't account right. for. Well, that's, yeah, that's really cool. So I also want to open this up to, to our uh, viewers right now. Sure. I'm curious about like what kind of uh, virtual events you guys have, have seen, because I know there's been a lot that have been done, you know, in the, in the industry, the promo products industry and just beyond. And I, I'm curious to see if any of you guys have been to any virtual events, um, what you think has worked well, what has not worked so well, what you would like to see. Um, so if you want to comment, that would be great. And we will talk about that. And as I mentioned before, uh, Maple Ridge Farms is sponsoring this uh, podcast. And three of the commenters today are going to receive a coffee cake. So, you know, please feel free to, you know, pipe up during the whole thing. Um, but let's let's talk some more about virtual events. So I, I really like that the idea you were talking about, th that dashboard all that data that that you're collecting from this because if it's something that's online you know if it's virtual like it should be much easier to get that that data so it makes sense to collect it and and for for the the exhibitors to be able to use that easily yeah um, interestingly we haven't seen a ton of other events now there haven't been a ton of events with you know kind of our approach and, mm -hmm. and our mission of replicating that media event environment but to the extent we're seeing them pop up we're we're honestly not seeing a ton of focus at least as we kind of you know research the comp competition uh <laughs> we're actually not seeing a, a a lot of focus on that and wow when we you know took our exhibitors through the analytics report on debriefs after the event, which is something that's really important, uh, you know, they were just blown away. Mm -hmm. So what, I mean, what are some other best practices when it comes to virtual events? Like what are some things that you need to think about? Because obviously it's a different mindset, I think, than, yeah. than the typical event. Well, I think, you know, best practices, number one is find the right platform. And 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 that takes time and and and, you know, luckily for me, uh, my partner, Alfred Poor did that, <laughs> you know, we have a spreadsheet with a ton of difference and he got on calls and, you know, he did demos and you really have to find the right platform in the context of what the objectives are for your attendees and your exhibitors. Right. Um, oh, um, I'm going to cut you off really quick because we have a question from um, Nicole Brennan and she wants to know if you could share what the platform you went with is. Yeah, sure, Nicole. We, we, we used uh, we used on 24, which is really the industry leader, which has been around. It's not a kind of newbie. Some of the newbies look great and they really, you know, from a kind of visual standpoint, do a terrific job. But, you know, on 24, what some of the real major global tech brands are using for their events and so that was that was the one we used. Okay, um, and you, so, you know, picking a platform is important. What are some some other best practices? So then, I think the other real critical thing is that we worked super hard on is educating your attendees and your exhibitors. So you know, this is new stuff, and our virtual booths are very robust. And you know, like I said before, there are you know several different actions that the attendee can take. And that's important because we did design this so that the attendee really drove the engagement. The attendee could pop into a booth and grab press materials and right. maybe send the exhibitor an email or fill out that product review request form and, 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 and buzz out of there and go visit another booth. They didn't have to engage in a video chat or a group mm -hmm. chat. Um, and, and that we did purposefully to you know simulate what happens at a live media event if you're staffing a table at one of these media events you know you'll have attendees who come up and just grab your press release and kind of you know move on don't make eye right. contact because right. they don't want to have a conversation and then you'll have others hey how are you what are you showing yeah, tonight? yeah. You know? um so we wanted to let them drive that but it's new and there's a lot of again different ac actions an attendee can take in our booth and you know, for what it's worth, the um, exhibitor isn't really even looking at the booth, right? They have a back end, what we call a mm -hmm. presentation manager in our in our system. Um, so it was really critical to educate both of them. I mean, you know, at one of our live events, I've never, you know, the press show up, hey, here you go, there's signage, they can see which company is which. They, mm -hmm. you know, they've received advanced communications about who will be there and what type right. of products right. they'll be showcasing, so they'll know. And we did all that kind of traditional stuff, but then we actually created a booth guide for them. And if okay. they wanted to jump on a little onboarding demo, you know, they could schedule a demo. And, uh, we did walkthroughs in advance of the event with each of our exhibitors. And then again, we did a walkthrough after to kind of show them the analytics. Yeah. Um, so in this environment, especially when you're doing something kind of as robust as we did, educating everybody so they know what 
to expect uh, when when they log in. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so I see we have another comment from Stacy McConnell. Um, she says that she's been to a lot of different virtual events and the thing that she found beneficial are bite-sized events where there are engagement opportunities, um, which I think that makes a lot of sense for sure because, you know, I, I think we're all kind of tired of like just sitting in front of the computer and having people like talk at us, you know? Yeah. So if you can actually make a connection, you know, virtually, I think that's that's beneficial so, too. Yeah, so but you know, like you're going to be tired if you're like if it's too long. Again, you know, so that was one of the reasons we kind of designed this so that the attendees have the power to kind of control that engagement at each booth. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, and I'm sure we'll kind of get into this a little bit. You know, it's it's been said, and uh, I haven't seen hard data on this, but you know, the attention span um, when you're sitting in front of your camera uh, is they're telling us a lot less than when you're somewhere live. Now, I kind of equivocate there because, you know, I think that really speaks to the uh, pro, uh, the conference environment. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're listening to a speaker, yeah, I, I think that's true. Uh, but actually what we found in our booths was that for a conversation, when uh, an attendee checked into the video chat uh, mm -hmm. of one of our exhibitors, those conversations actually lasted significantly longer yeah. than the drive-by conversations you have in yeah. an event where yeah. you're all standing and kind of, you know, there's a lot going on around you. I mean, I was yeah. popping in and out of each booth, of course, during the event. And, you know, when I popped into video chat, I mean, people are at home, they're comfortable. I was seeing people stay in those video chat rooms to talk to our exhibitors for 15, 20 minutes at a time. And and yeah. so, you know, again, a different type of an event leads to a different, you know, right, data right. Tech. But, um, but I do think as a general matter, yeah, I mean, you're going to see you know, when we start to talk about these hybrid events and what they might look like, I do think you'll see, you know, less of the 60 plus minute keynote presentation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I mean, I think another point I imagine is, you know, at least this is something I find when I go to like a trade show, sometimes it's awkward, like it can be very busy in the booth, right? There's people crowded all around. You want to try and get a good conversation. And especially if you're a journalist, you're trying to get something quotable or, you know, maybe even like, um, record them and it's so loud, it's so chaotic. It, it's got to be nice to be able to be like, hey, you know, raise my hand, get the attention and have that one on one. And they're not like looking over at someone else. Yeah. They're not going to be like, they're engaged with you. So yeah, I think I mean, that could be a, a positive so, thing. You know, not to get into the weeds of our platform too much, but, um, you know, we purposefully designed the environment and the engagement so that, for instance, if I pop into a booth and open the video chat and someone else pops into that same booth on their computer and opens their to the same exhibitor and opens their video chat, they actually join that conversation much like a Zoom call. Uh, and that was on purpose because um, that's how it happens at a real event. And the closer we could come to replicating a live media event, the more intuitive it would be for our attendees. And at a live media event, you might be talking to one journalist and the second journalist comes up and kind of, you know, when you're done with your pitch, maybe the first journalist, the second journalist says, you know, hey, I get it. I just had a question or could you start over? Right. And we wanted to create that. But at the same time, what we were able to do is some companies could use a second video chat um, functionality uh, and password protect it for private meetings. So the way we kind of explain it to the extent, you know, anybody out there goes to the big shows like CES is, you know, that first video chat is your table mm -hmm. at a media event. And, you know, like I said, multiple people can join that conversation. That second video chat is actually like that weird little meeting room under your stairs at your CES booth. Right. Um, right. So we did provide, you know, we wanted to provide for both of those interact types of interactions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so as far as like, you know, so that, there are definitely some benefits of virtual over, um, you know, in person, but like, what are some of the drawbacks? Like, what are some of the things that can't really, you can't well, really replicate? Right. I, you, you know, you can't replicate, you know, being in the same room, looking someone in the eye and shaking their hands. And, you know, that's not to, you know, not to be dismissive of that. I mm -hmm. mean, that's, you know, up until a few months ago, what I had been doing for my career is enabling those types of interactions. So I don't think you can, you know, ever overlook that. And that's why, probably you know virtual won't become won't over won't replace live i mean there's really something to be said for you know looking someone in the eyes and speaking to them in right. person the other piece of it for me specific for us specifically is 
you know, the, our exhibitors are showcasing gadgets. So there's a real look and feel element. Now, you know, that doesn't preclude what we tried to do. And I think we were pretty successful is making sure that the exhibitors could share the information, could get the product to the, ex to the attendee later on so mm -hmm. that they would have it to review it uh, and cover it, write about it, what have you. Um, but, you know, again, in my specific type of an event, in, in this type of an event, you know, these are gadgets and yeah, you want to be able to touch it and feel it. And I think that's kind of the same thing in, in our industry, promotional products, you know, whether it's a T-shirt or, you know, some kind of hard good, like people, you know, there's virtual samples are one thing, but people want to be able to see it and feel it. And, you know, is the T-shirt soft? Is it, you know, how thick is it? Things like yeah. that. But um, I, will I, mean, say, I, I will say that, um, you know, the benefits, and we talked a, we talked a bunch about, you know, the ability to collect data and information and deliver it afterward, which is really the key ones. But, you know, it's it's companies and attendees are getting very used very quickly to, you know, not having to travel, yeah, <laughs> not having yeah. to stay in hotels, right. uh, from a producer standpoint, not having to rent a venue, not having to worry about F&B, food and beverage, you know. So right, right. Uh, I think those advantages are... Um, are being recognized very quickly by yeah, both yeah, sides sure. of the event industry. Sure. Um, I'm seeing another comment, uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about before from Danielle Lum. Um, she was talking about how, I think you were mentioning how people can kind of pipe into the, the video chat. Um, and you know that she's not, not a fan of it. <laughs> it's annoying uh, when someone joins in in person and, and in chat. So I, I guess it kind of depends on, on the event and people's preferences for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I agree. It can certainly be distracting, annoying, frustrating. Um, you know, I've been to, you know, many of these events, uh, live, live events. Mm -hmm. um, but again, that, you know, that's how it happens at a media event. And we wanted to be able to replicate that, but we were still able to provide the opportunity, um, which doesn't, excuse the double negative, but doesn't not exist at a live event to the extent that if somebody comes up to your booth, either you've scheduled something, you know, they're coming by at a certain time, but even if they haven't, but they're really important, you know, top tier tech press, as we say, I mean, right. you can always kind of pull them aside. It's hard at the tabletop type of an events, but yeah, I mean, Danielle, that's why we wanted to try to account for both of those types of interactions. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, you know, let's, I guess we're going to, I want to bring it towards like our industry of promotional products. Um, you know, how, how do you think promotional products, swag, giveaways, merch, whatever, whatever you want to call it, how, how does that fit into a virtual event? Well, I mean, you know, everybody loves swag, so you have to kind of figure it out. Now, we didn't figure it out at the first one, but we certainly had several conversations and there's certainly people doing some cool things with respect to, uh, with respect to swag and promotional giveaways. I mean, obviously, you know, your first barrier of um, entry there is that you've got to get it to the attendee right. somehow, right. which means you need to collect their address and then, you know, deal with the shipping logistics on the back end. But I mean, there's a role, we talked about it. I, I anticipate doing, you know, something with that. We've always done different types of swag bags at our live events, um, not just t-shirts, but literally some of the, you know, companies love to give away their products, especially, you know, the less expensive portable chargers and things mm. like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So we want to figure it out. I think, you know, it has to be relevant. Yeah. Um, but I think what's important in recognizing its relevance is uh, relevance doesn't mean it has to be a tech gadget, right? Relevance right. Mean, means it needs to, um, you know, fit into the process is how I would put it. And I guess what I mean by that is some of the things we kind of tossed around were, uh, you know, not so much sending them a portable charger, although that was part of the conversation. Um, but it was, you know, kind of this notion of like maybe have lunch with us and send them lunch during the event. Or oh, something. yeah, yeah. Food yeah. gifts are, so are huge. Relevance doesn't necessarily mean it has to be, you know, topic specific uh, in terms of tech gadgets. Um, but I think there are some cool things to do to um, enhance the experience yeah, in that way. Yeah. yeah, definitely to tie it in. I mean, other things I can think of, you know, obviously I know I've, we've heard a lot about like those, you know, kits that people, you know, drop ship maybe before the event so that it has a shirt in it that you can wear during, you know, during the conference. Um, but the actual like companies themselves, maybe they're getting like a branded backdrop for their, you know, booth. Um, or even the, another thing is just like the, the uniforms that they're wearing, um, you might have to rethink where you put the logo. 
you know, right. from the like sort of like the neck up. So maybe it goes right. on the collar instead of like lower down on the chest. No, I, I mean, that's a good point. Now, I, I, I'm glad you brought up this kind of the booth appearance, right? Mm -hmm. Because we, you know, spent a lot of time on that as well. And, you know, what we landed on was we had kind of a standard virtual booth that you check into their booth and there's kind of a booth backdrop and a little podium. Um, and we were able to, you know, include the exhibitor's logo, mm -hmm. uh, alter the color scheme so that the two color scheme, the booth elements and the background had, uh, you know, matched the color scheme of the exhibitors. In a couple cases, we wrapped those elements in different types of graphics for them. And then we actually offer a tier where, where an exhibitor could just take that screen landscape and design their own thing. So we had a couple of exhibitors do that, uh, and there were no booth elements in it. It looked like a screen, but when you popped into their booth, there were product photos and um, and all kinds of different ele graphic elements. So okay. they were able to do that. So um, they both looked really cool, actually. They both yeah, came okay. pretty, really nicely. Yeah. I mean, I think the other piece, um, you know, it's not necessarily related to swag, but the cool thing that you know we're talking about a lot is gamification. So kind of been a buzzword for several years now. And, you know, traditionally with trade shows, there are a lot of ways to kind of create incentives to get the attendees to visit more booths and do cool things and create leaderboards for who's visited the most booth, who's visited the most video chats or what have you. So we're, um, you know, we're excited to kind of dig into that a little bit. I mean, you know, to be honest, for V1, we wanted to make sure the platform worked and those kind of core uh, objectives were, were able to be met by both the exhibitors and the attendees. Um, but I think gamification is, is a real exciting area uh, to explore more as well. Okay. Um, I see a comment from Alfred Poor. That's your partner, right? Business partner? That is my yeah. partner, yes. <laughs> he says he'd love to have help from the advertising specialty companies to produce swag bags for, for the events. Um, so yeah, that would be great. Obviously, we have tons of people that can connect with you guys on that. And I that's a lot of experience. But I'm actually I, curious about, um, you know, people here listening today, like, what are some have you guys worked on any virtual events um, for people doing, you know, promotional products? What kind of things are you seeing? What are the coolest like ideas you've seen for for virtual events? So if you guys have any examples or ideas that, that you want to share, that'd be great. I'd love to hear them. Uh, so just, you know, comment them out. Um, so obviously, you know, with, with the coronavirus kind of ongoing, we don't know what's going on. We don't know when things are going to return to the new normal, normal, whatever we want to call it. The old normal. Uh, that? The old normal. Well, yeah, I don't know when that's going to happen, but even the new normal is not quite here. Um, what do you think things are going to look like next year in terms of, of events? Well, next year, I think if you're smart and you want to produce an event, you're going to look and you're going to think and plan a lot along the lines we have. Next year, you know, and, and, and forgive me for po possibly being a cynic, but you know, COVID's not going away, unfortunately. And, and, you know, I don't want to digress it into an editorial uh, discussion about why that is in our country. Um, but it's not going away. I mean, the numbers are still just frightening. And I don't think um, certainly in 2021 that you're going to see a resurgence of live events by any stretch. And I think going beyond that, and we can talk about this, of course, you know, um, hybrid will be here to virtual will be here to stay and i think the biggest kind of fundamental potential um kind of reset of the industry is that virtual you know virtual isn't brand new right i mean at my live events you know one of the things we've really been focused on is is helping our exhibitors generate content and um and, and part of that is live streaming. So we've done a different types of live streaming from our events with the creator community, the YouTubers for several years. Um, but the reset is kind of the, um, the, the different um, roles each of them takes. I mean, it used to be, I guess what I'm saying is it used to be, whereas the virtual piece was kind of the afterthought. What's right. gonna right. change, I think, is that the live experience is going to be the afterthought. Okay. And, you know, whether it's the, um, length of the different programming, the, the, you know, shortening the content sessions, whether it's, um, you know, focusing first and foremost on the platform and then technology and the catering second. Uh, um, but I think that's kind of the reset you're looking at where yeah. people will fundamentally be more focused on the virtual piece of it uh, than the live piece of it. 
Okay. I'm going to go back to what you were talking about before about gamification, because I see uh, Danielle Lum has a question. Um, how do you ensure that people are engaging in the game and not just clicking and clicking to get points? I mean, that's a great question. Um, you know, and to the extent that our live events invite consumers in, um, that's a real issue. Um, you know, what we've done with our live events, and I'll circle back to the virtual in a minute, but, you know, at our live events, I mean, our community of enthusiasts and influencers, but especially enthusiasts, are, uh, they love tech. So it, it mm -hmm. takes care of itself in a little bit, but they're also consumers, so they love free things as well. Um, we have been pretty successful at our live events, at least from the feedback we've been getting from, we, we, we've received from exhibitors in that, you know, the attend, the enthusiast attendees are very engaged. And a matter of fact, in some cases, you know, we've been told that they ask questions that the press doesn't even think to ask technical questions. Like, why did yeah. you put the USB port here and not here? Um, so we kind of, you know, trust in that. Um, one of the things we used to say at Digital Life, which was a much bigger event, we used to, you know, if, if for instance, you had a, a, a rack with T-shirts that you were giving away and you gave away your last one, well, then get that rack off your floor because you don't necessarily want them coming by and seeing it empty, you know, let them mm -hmm. wonder whether you had a giveaway in the first place. Um, having said that, you know, it really takes care of itself even more so in the virtual environment because we, we're not inviting consumers and we haven't solved for that yet. And we may, we may figure out a way to do, do something that's, uh, you know, open to the public virtually. But, uh, but, you know, when I say it solves itself is, I mean, these are members of the press, uh, you know, they have a job to do. And, and what we're trying to do obviously is to help them do their jobs and their professionals. And, and that's, mm -hmm. you know, maybe not a great answer, but it's, it, it really does tend to take its take care of itself yeah, and we're all in in the the world now with our kids at home and <laughs> in the background School, school's over <laughs> <laughs> um so you know we, we started talking a little bit about uh virtual or i'm sorry hybrid events what what do you think a, a hybrid event is you know might look like how, how would that be structured well again i think you know uh, I, I think the uh, the industry will kind of reset itself so that it really plans the um, the event in terms of the environment and the content um, and what have you for the virtual space. Um, you know, by definition, the virtual element of any event has a a potential to reach a lot more people. So I think that makes sense. Um, but I think you will see shorter content sessions. Um, I think you will see, um, you know, a much bigger emphasis on the technology. Um, you know, at our live events where, again, we really wanted to create incentives for content generation, the network was already very important. But, boy, if you're holding a live event that's got a, you know, major virtual component to it then then you know your network has to be just rock solid um i think things like that i really think the technology just comes to the forefront i mean yeah. the uh, the 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 neat thing is and another reason that virtual isn't going away i mean virtual isn't going away because of its benefits and advantages that we discussed a little bit but virtual isn't going away also because it's maturing and you know mm -hmm. when we can get back out there and, and and go meet each other in person at live events you know all of the investment and the infrastructure and and the technological advancements that have been made over the last six months don't go away uh people like we talked about earlier i mean people have grown are growing accustomed to the benefits of the virtual event environment and um so um you know, the technology and the platforms have just made leaps and bounds in such a short time. Yeah, yeah, just because of necessity. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting too, like with, with the virtual, with the hybrid, you're probably gonna capture some people that, that never were able to go to events. You know, maybe they couldn't afford to go or it was just too far for them. So, you know, you can kind of expand your reach a little bit when you're when you're doing it virtually. Absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the, you know, one of the major benefits of, of a virtual event, of course, is the lack of any geographical restrictions uh, on attending. And, um, you know, we had attendees representing multiple countries and, you know, the only barrier for them was really the time zone. And we tried to kind of, you know, find a, a middle in time zone that would 
not make it prohibitive to, to log in from anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's just huge. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the yeah. cost savings, but even just the ability, you know, even where cost might not be an issue. And with respect to, um, you know, with respect to COVID, I mean, you're also looking at even as we move farther and farther away from the crisis, as it were, mm -hmm. um, you're looking at, you know, segments of the population that are more at risk that, that mm -hmm. won't, won't take that chance. They'll, they'll be the last, you know, some of the seniors and, and what have you, they'll be the last to return to live events. And, you know, if you're seeking, if you're trying to get in front of journalists, um, a lot of them are, are seniors and they're great. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, so going, uh, I just, you know, we're talking about like people coming from different countries. I see pa uh, Patricia Ozma uh, is greeting us from the Republic of Panama. So hi, Patricia. Um, and she says they're preparing for hybrid events and it's a great challenge, but we move forward. I agree with that. Um, we have another comment from uh, Javier Melendez. Yeah, and I mean, just, I'm yeah. sorry, just to, you know, Patricia, I mean, I, you know, you're right, uh, you know, and I know he's listening and I, you know, just a shout out to Alfred because, you know, when we first got on a call with On24, this is the story I tell, it's a quick one, but, um, you know, when they first kind of pulled the curtain back and said, okay, this is how you do this, and this is how, my eyes started to water up and I was just like, and Alfred kind of sat up in his chair and I just knew I had the right partner because he was so anxious to dig in and yeah. he did so much customization. Now, not customization with respect to like designing code and things like that, but he extended because it's essentially a webinar platform and we turned it into a, you know, in a trade show essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and on 24 was actually pretty blown away by what we've done. I mean, I think we're in consideration for an award for extending the okay. use of the platform via customization. He customized all the little icons that you click yeah. on. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you, you guys made it work for you. Um, so Javier says, uh, consider doing a live event, but having someone purposely walking the floors, allowing for virtual reality for those who can't or don't travel, and the booth vendor doing a booth presentation to that roaming camera person so suppliers can do their pitch while offering great live conversations. Uh, so bringing some virtual reality in, into the live yeah, event. Yeah, that would be interesting. A great question and a great point as well. I mean, you know, like you may have kind of gotten the. Um, understanding that we discussed a lot of different things that we, you know, mm. sort of backburnered uh, until we got this platform rock solid, which we mostly have done. I mean, you know, I think the important thing to kind of note is that, you know, you come away from your first event with a ton of knowledge yourself. And we've, you know, we turned around like within an hour and started to kind of discuss how to improve the experience and how to tweak the yeah, platform yeah. and from what we learned. Um, but having said that, I mean, VR was a quick discussion at the outset and, you know, even in our industry and I, you know, VR companies, especially on the consumer side of things yeah. are something I'm pretty familiar with. Um, we basically decided real quickly that we would talk about VR again after the first one, but I yeah. think it's, I think there's absolutely something there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, as it, as it continues to get better, I think it'll just, there'll just be more opportunities yeah. for it. Because it's not really, you know, I, I always thought of it was kind of like gimmicky for a while, but it's starting to become more of a, I don't know, a real thing. In my opinion, I don't know. Like earlier VR was kind of like, oh, gives me a headache. Yeah, well, but. It, yeah, I mean, I you know, one of the things they say in our, in our industry, and this goes back even more to my regulatory days than to my experiential days, but, uh, you know, you go to CES and if something at CES is like the end all be all, then it's probably a good 10 years before we're you know, actually going to get yeah. to some kind of right. not just mass adoption, but, but, you know, ease of access and, and, right. and viable right. use cases. Um, so we have a question from uh, Nicole Brennan. She says, besides giveaways, um, are there any other tips or ideas to generate more engagement? Well, giveaways, uh, you know, the gamification elements, which we didn't do, um, but, you know, not to kind of fall back on the same answer I kind of gave before in terms of solving itself, but we're helping both of our communities, our exhibitors and attendees do their job. And, you know, when we showed the platform before the event to some of the press, they immediately said, this is the first virtual event that's going to help me do my job. I don't have to log in and sit through a 60 minute presentation for a five minute q a yeah, yeah. i decide who i want to visit i decide who i want to engage with so you know i mean it's not a great answer and i apologize but uh but in our in our world in our environment uh that takes care of itself because the tech press need to talk to the tech companies right, and the tech right. companies need to show their products to the tech press 
Um, you know, I think um, creating as many different touch points as possible is important. So, uh, but that also dovetails into the need to really educate everybody. Uh, but in one of our booths, you can group chat, you can video chat, you can send a direct email, you can fill out one of those product review request forms. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you I think, have a module yeah, where you can access the contact info from the company. Right. Well, I mean, something you kind of touched on because you keep, you know, you're saying it's for journalists, this is they're doing their job, we're helping them do their job. So I guess, you know, whatever the event is, it's important to know who who is coming, you know what I mean? Like know the audience and what they actually want, what their needs are. So if you can kind of like profile them, maybe. Yes, absolutely. You know, and not only that. Cater to what, what they want. Not only that, but, you know, I, I, I've talked a lot about educating the attendees in terms of kind of the, the, the you know, the technology and the platform itself, but even in a more traditional sense, in one of these types of events, it's critical to allow the to get the information about who's going to be there exhibiting to the attendees. And I mean, that's yeah. something we've always done at live events as well. At this event, the show floor actually had a pull down menu where you could sort the attend the exhibitors uh, by category. So if okay. your beat is audio, you could click on you know pull down, click audio, and you'd see which exhibitors had audio. Uh, products. Um, right, right. You didn't so, have to waste um, your time going yeah. to people that are not going to be relevant. To I mean, the, the the funny thing was that, you know, the press, you know, we're so kind of anxious and excited for, for this type of an event that when I do a live event, a lot of the press will tell me, well, you know, when you send me the exhibitor list, I cover audio. If there's some audio companies, you know, I'll try to make it by um, because a lot of the press obviously have specific beats. Right. At this event, we really didn't find that because, you know, A, the barrier to entry is so low. So even if they were, you know, um, covering specific beats, you know, they were saying, oh, this looks cool. I'll definitely check it out. I mean, I'm, you know, it's a couple hours out of my day on a, on a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't run into that kind of yeah, hurdle for, yeah. for getting them in, into the room, as it were. Yeah, um, but yes, uh, critical to, you know, make the attendees job as easy as possible. Yeah. So I see another question from Acrobat Branding Group. Uh, what have you seen used as the most productive vehicle or tool to avoid attendee burnout, especially for larger online events? Well, that's a great question. I'm not sure I have a really great answer. I mean, I have uh, attended, you know, a fair amount of virtual events, um, primarily since, you know, we've all been locked mm -hmm. down. Um, Alfred attends even more and participates in them as a speaker or what have you. So Alfred, if you're there and you have a, a good response to uh, the Acrobat branding group, maybe mm -hmm. you would want to chime in. I do yeah. think, you know, keeping, uh, again, especially in a conference environment, it's really important to A, keep that a little bit shorter because even though we drew the distinction between the one-to-one -one engagements we yeah. have in our video chat rooms versus a conference, if it's a virtual conference, then yeah, I mean, you don't want, you want to shorten that up and tighten yeah. that up. And then obviously it's critical and there's a zillion tools to allow that online audience to engage. Yeah. Uh, with that speaker or, or, or that conference, uh, ask questions, and what, yeah. you know, similar to what we're doing yeah. right now. Yeah, and I think uh, I'm, I actually have a virtual conference that I'm going to be attending in a couple of days. And, it, you know, typically if it's in person, it's only, you know, maybe two or three days, but they decided to stretch it out over two weeks. But it's only like, you know, a couple of, of hours each day. So maybe that's yeah. a way to help. Like you kind of squeeze in the, the sessions you want to go to, but you don't have to just like, be on for like three days you can still get some like regular work done you know maybe in the morning and then in the afternoon you know attend the the event yeah i think that's a great point to the extent you have a, a you know kind of a, a really big content heavy uh type of um and I, I can't come up I, i've seen a couple of virtual events that you know traditionally were you know full day events kind of do mm -hmm. that type of thing and you know one of the things we are able to do is to, you know, the, the exhibitors can um, record their video chats, they can live stream their video mm -hmm. chats, um, but they can even replay their booth in its entirety. And that's a little wonky after V1. We're just kind of learning how best to do that because obviously your booth is live and to the extent you've been playing product videos or promotional mm -hmm. videos, you can still do all that. But after the event, if somebody clicks on the video chat, there's not going to be anybody in the room to, to right. talk to them. Right. So we're still trying to figure out what the benefit of that is. Uh, but it's kind of neat. And I know mm -hmm. that several of our exhibitors have 
used it as kind of an internal proof point. Yeah. You know, hey, yeah. you know, I, I senior executive. Speaking of which, another of the the benefits, right, is that, you know, at CES, at least on day one and day two, maybe it's, it, it, it is different. But, you know, traditionally, your senior executives aren't necessarily going, unless you're a startup and it's a small team or what have you, but aren't necessarily going to these types of an events. But now virtually, you know, they're not, you know, they're not being forced to spend two days away from the office and travel to go to an event where they're, you know, talking with the press. So now all of a sudden, you know, senior executives are, are able to participate in these media events. And, you know, that makes the interactions with the press more meaningful. Right, right, yeah. They, I'm, well, I mean, as, as someone in the press, I definitely, yeah, I want to talk to somebody that's, you know, higher up and, you know, can say more. But I also think, um, you know, one of the critical elements is is the moderators. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you, you uh, I mean, you're doing a great job. I mean, you, you know, interspersing the the comments and, and yeah, getting yeah. the audience's questions in. Um, you've obviously done this before. Uh, I think that's critical. I mean, to the extent yeah. it's a panel or a, you know, what we call a fireside chat, a one on one. Uh, you know, now more than ever, and this started to become more important even before the lockdown, but now more than ever, it is critical that your moderator understand the tools and has right. the personality and the capability to engage with that uh, virtual audience. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, because it's so much easier to, you know, click off, right? I think that's the other thing. It's like, you know, if you're at a, at a chat or, or a keynote, people will notice if you stand up and walk out. But if you just, you know, if you just leave the, the chat, it's it's much easier to just you know drop out virtually. So you have to be more, um, I guess, more engaging than. I mean, you should be engaging anywhere you are, of course. But but it's, yeah. it's easier for people to leave. I think. No, but virtually. that's a good point. It, it does. That's a good point, which we've kind of danced around, but not necessarily addressed. I mean, you know, shorten the content sessions, yes, but the speaker themselves needs to understand. Um, you know, the virtual element to uh, their presentation. And, um, you know, it's never a great idea to stand up and go through a PowerPoint, even in a live yeah. event environment. Yeah. But, um, you know, now you potentially have the capability, depending on how it meshes, if it's in a hybrid environment, how it meshes with the live audience, but to show videos. And, you know, speakers do that in live events anyway, you know, lights down here, check this video out. Um, but now to the extent that it's a hybrid environment, you know, you really want to kind of think outside the box uh, and understand uh, what you can do within your presentation to engage that audience as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have another comment I wanted to just bring up from, uh, from Javier about uh, incorporate things like social media call outs using hashtags and then offering swag for the most likes. So I think that's a really cool idea for sure, because that's then you're... That's an element of gamification. And yeah, I will yeah. say, Javier, you know, one of the things we didn't spend a ton of time focusing on, which was very different from one of my live events, was social. Um, so that's a big kind of something we want to address. I mean, you know, again, not to get too granular in the booths, but the companies can have links to outside sites from within their booth. Click here, you'll go to the company website. Um, you know, we made them aware that they could use those external links, those external I, those icons that you'd click on for social um, and we could even customize them. So the little Twitter bird was on one that went to Twitter yeah, and what yeah. have you, but there's so much more. And, and at our live events, I mean, we run, you know, co contests that require use hashtag yeah. usage and things like that. So we think there's a, a ton more we can do there. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think, you know, any way you can, you know, for us, for our purposes, of course, um, any way you can kind of incorporate that swag and the giveaways in and in and, and different, you know, new and different ways, like that's just only going to make people more engaged and more interested for sure. And just to close the loop at our live events, that's how you entered the contest. So, you know, have, ha, ha, Javier has the exact right idea. Uh, we didn't necessarily do it for most likes. We, 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 you know, purposefully did kind of a random selection, but to be entered, you had to post yeah. on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and you had to yeah. use that hashtag. Um, and we even kind of uh, found a way with some software on the back end, and we made this clear to the attendees. Mm -hmm. If all it is 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 the hashtag and a tweet, then you know you need to say something. You need to yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't just say hi, but yeah, you know, you know, um, add add to the conversation somehow. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think we kind of covered a lot so far. But do you have any final thoughts or you know? you know, kind of advice you want to leave with, with our, our listeners about um, the future of events, how, where things are going, what's, what's going to work? I think that, you know, 
one takeaway that gets um, short shrift, is that short? Uh, is that, you know, setting aside the reason we're here and God knows we, you know, it's not easy to set that aside, but it's actually a really exciting time for events. You know, that's mm. the takeaway. I mean, you know, the virtual and, you know, beyond live streaming, I hadn't thought about producing an entirely virtual event ever before. Um, before the pandemic and um you know what we've seen and the the advances we've seen over the last few months i mean it's actually a super cool time for events and i think the future is going to be um you know really amazing when we uh and there's not one answer but when we right. begin to really explore what the hybrid event yeah format yeah. could look like yeah well i think i think that's a great way to end it because you know, talking about events, I think for so many people right now has been kind of all doom and gloom. We're only seeing like the bad side. We can't be around people. We can't shake hands. We can't hug. We can't, you know, go to these events. But there is something, there are these benefits to, to virtual and, and there are some exciting things happening for sure. So I think it's and great. When if we can meld those benefits with the things we love about live events, then yeah, that's going to yeah, be pretty for exciting. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, it was so great talking with you today. I'm so glad you were able to, you know, share your experiences and I'm glad we were able to have this chat. Um, so, and, and everyone, thank you so much for commenting. Um, I just want to, you know, end this by mentioning one more time, um, our sponsor, Maple Ridge Farms. Uh, so three people who, you know, gave these very insightful comments will be getting coffee cakes in the mail. So thank you so much. I will, uh, you know, be in contact with, with the winners shortly. Um, but again, I'm Teresa Hagel, uh, digital, uh, I'm sorry, executive editor of digital content at ASI. And I was with, uh, Barry Myers today, founder of Get Geek Media. Thank you. Thank you everybody who tuned in. All right. Thanks so much.